podcast john is my name and ian is my name and if you remember last week we started off on an optimistic note saying that we're one week closer to the end of the pandemic then it took a turn for the worse um so i'm not going to make any such bold predictions this week um so how do you feel the week's been in general ian anything happened um i don't know i mean like it feels I don't know. There's there's weeks like this week where it just feels like lots of little things have happened and lots of big things have happened. There's just there's been a lot of news. I mean, obviously, in Scotland, the big story. I mean, you text me within two minutes of this breaking story on Friday. Was it Friday or was it Thursday? Friday. Because yeah, I was, I was about to. I had my phone in my hand to text you, and my wife and I were talking about it as well. But the big story on Friday, on Friday morning, there was an announcement that Alex Salmond was going to be making an announcement that was going to be a press conference and instantly all the people you could all the journalists and the media were saying like well oh, i think he's gonna he's gonna have a run at parliament again he's gonna like launch some kind of party and i thought no he's just gonna come out and make, state his case or make a statement about the whole thing but no out he came bold as you like announced that he was going to be creating a new party the alba party um to stand at the scottish elections in may and that was, I don't, I mean, how was that covered? Was it, was it given much coverage in England? Yeah, it was. It was given quite a lot. I mean, it was, the reason I heard about it was it was BBC Breaking News on my phone. Kind of came up on my phone from BBC Breaking News. Yes. Then it was the main news story on the BBC News app for quite some time. Right. Uh, and then it wasn't for... It wasn't front page of the Guardian, I don't think, or maybe it was second story in the Guardian. It certainly wasn't the biggest story. Um, there's still bits about it in the Observer today, uh, yeah. profile pieces and such. I mean, one of the things is they've done that thing that <laughs> that Change UK tried to do and kind of mucked up a bit, which is they're doing a daily drip feed of um, yeah. defections mm. from the SNP to the Alba Party. Um, so. In that sense, it's staying in the news whilst also not overtaking it, um, yeah. if you like. It's a um, weird one because, I mean, initially, when I heard the, what was going to happen, at first I thought, this is going to split the SNP vote yeah. and the Tories and Labour will be rubbing their hands. But when you actually listened to what they're planning to do, they're not putting any MSPs forward to stand in any regions. They're merely sitting on the list so at the moment, the SNP have only got something like one list MSP, just because of the way it works out. I mean, I am personally, I know like people are not meant to talk about how they're going to vote. I will be voting SNP one, Green two. Right. Because if, if every person in Scotland that voted SNP voted Green as a second vote instead of the SNP, the Tories would lose half their seats and Labour right. would lose quite a chunk as well. Um, because of so many SNP, I mean, it's, it's the SNP slogan, SNP1, SNP2. Um, and the Conservative Party and the Labour Party love that because it actually lets them... Yeah, I, I'm not even going to pretend to understand the mathematics of the list MSPs, but 
there was a letter had come out from Douglas Ross to Conservative voters saying, look, this is quite worrying because it now means there'll be a big trench of folk that will vote SNP1 and they'll vote ALBA2. And that's not going to take away from the SNP. All it's going to do is take probably some seats away from Labour and the Conservative Party. So from and a, that, person, uh, a, person who, a person who supports the idea, at least, of Scottish independence, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just wish it wasn't Alex Salmond that was leading it. That's the, that's the thing. I think the thing is, yeah, because when I sent you the text, I, I wrote Alex Salmond is in Egypt. And mm. um, that was the text I sent you. Because I presumed and I jumped the gun that, like did. you said, splitters, yeah. it was People's Front of Judea rather mm. than um, what he is doing, which actually, when you read it, is actually like, well, that's quite a good idea. I mean, because even if, if, if half the people who vote SNP split between Greens and, and ALBA, uh, because there'll be quite a lot of people that just don't buy into the Green philosophy. I mean, I don't understand why, but there will no. be quite a lot of people that don't buy into that Green philosophy. Maybe older older people that are more SNP-minded. Um, and, and I presume it's that generation he's going for, because Alex Salmond is not going to get the young, hip, cool kids. Um, <laughs> you know, he's not really going to get hip, cool kids joining his bandwagon, especially considering, I mean, think about it, considering, I know he was found not guilty, but there's been question marks over his behaviour, and it's been across the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. You know, like, a, a certain generation is not going to go anywhere near Alex Salmond. Mm -hmm. But he may get an older generation of more traditional SNP voters. And if he can take them away, the SNP2 vote, and get enough of them, then again, that super majority that he was talking about that way, that over 50% of seats, over 50% of votes um, for pro-independence, and maybe it might do the trick. The problem is, like you say, is that it's Alex Salmond and you cut a huge part of this is, is ego-based. You know, if he'd retired two or three years ago, mm. none of this had happened. Yeah. And then he just popped up out of nowhere and said, do you know what? This isn't working. We're not going to get our supermajority. I still, you know, I, I appreciate what the SNP have done. I still believe in them. But I think there's some things they're missing. They need to drive for harder and faster for independence. And so I'm setting up the Alba party. Then you could kind of go, okay. Yeah. That's the it's the fact that it follows so closely on the heels of all the stuff that's just happened. We've just had two months of daily, you know, Sturgeon versus Sam. But you know the weird thing this morning, one of the Scottish papers this morning, Alex Salmon said Nicola Sturgeon is the best candidate for First Minister because she's the only candidate really for First Minister. So it's, it's very bizarre. So really, because I, I, like you, I thought the same thing. My, my initial thought was the establishment's got to him. And they're now trying to split the SNP vote. And this is just a way of making sure the SNP don't get, they'll, they'll still probably have an overall like victory, but they'll not get the majority that they would have had. But looking at it this way, yeah, you could get, you, the super majority looks, I see a lot of, I follow quite a lot of Yes Scotland pages on Facebook. And I do see a lot of older people, especially men, probably more than women. But yeah, a lot of older men, kind of guys in their 50s and 60s who will vote SNP1, Alba2. And if enough of them do that, then all it will do is take seats away from the Tories and from the Labour Party, and which then, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And I think that what was, you know, Anas Sarwar, Anas Sarwar, is that what he's called? Uh, he went up in my estimations this week in that 
I mean, I'm not not to the extent that if I was living in Scotland, I would now vote Scottish Labour. But, but up in my estimations, when it came to that vote of no confidence, and he instructed the Labour Party not to vote for it yeah. because it was just opportunism. Because obviously, Absolutely. since we last podcasted, um, Nicola Sturgeon was found not to have broken the ministerial code knowingly or unknowingly. She did not break the, the ministerial code from a p- non-partisan you know, source. She just didn't do it. Therefore, uh, you know, the, the, the balloon has gone down. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 you know, it might work now because they're going to have to give coverage in Scotland to the Alba Party. They're going to have to give coverage to the Green Party. And if, the, and if there can just be enough consensus around commentators just going on the news, and I think this is, might be where Sam, because Salmond is very good at elections. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He is. The, yeah. the only reason that Scotland has gone anywhere close to getting an independence referendum that could be won is through him. Um, I mean, followed up by Nicholas Sturgeon hugely, but he was the architect. And um, now everyone is talking about that fact as SMP1, SMP2, mm-hmm. that, that ends up not helping. No. You know, I mean, admittedly, people of our generation and younger may go, all right, I was going to go SMP1, SMP2. I'll definitely go Greens now. You know, and and then and, and also the older generation might go, oh, right, well, I'm going to go Alba then. Um, so it might work. I mean, for the greater good, it might work out. But it's hard to tell. I mean, it was very interesting <laughs> watching watching the speeches during this because the, the Tories, despite this independent review done by an Irish QC, um, which found that Nicola Sturgeon hadn't knowingly misled Parliament or indeed misled Parliament and hadn't done anything she hadn't broken the ministerial code, which is what they've been banging on about for months. Um, yeah. But the Tories still went ahead and had a vote of no confidence in her on Wednesday, like you said. And it's the first time I've, I've been quite happy to see Labour abstain, because that is what they tend to do down south as well, but usually on really yeah. awful things they should be abstaining against. But it was interesting, like, talking about the Greens, I don't know if you saw Patrick Harvey's speech to Parliament on Wednesday. It was, it was the most powerful of them all. He basically called out the members of that committee that leaked the information and he kind of rounded off by saying like the only people who should be considering resigning and the only people whose resignation I would actually think of demanding are the members of that committee who leaked the, their findings, who leaked the details of the women, the accusers, you know, a lot of their information was put into the papers last week by members of this committee. Now, obviously we don't know who that was, but um, obviously there are, some people are suggesting certain members. I'm not going to say because I don't want us to get into legal trouble or anything like that. But I thought Patrick Harvey came out of it really well. And that that cemented my determination to be SNP1 Green 2. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's oh, been yeah, the big, big story. Sorry, when you go? Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say all the time when I was living in Scotland, I always went SNP1 Green 2. That was my voting since... Because I just love the idea that I could vote for the Greens and actually it meant, meant something. Well, we've got, to, yeah, we've got a green MSP. Ross Greer is a really good MSP. He's seen the telly quite a lot. Um, he was on Good Morning Britain that time. That annoyed. He was sort of standing up against Winston Churchill, and oh. Piers Morgan got really angry with him. So I thought that's my MSP. Good for him. Yeah, I voted for him uh, last time. Well, before before we move on from one of the things I found odd, and after all that saying that Alex Salmond is a an architect of of, of electoral gains, if not wins, certainly gains uh, and improvements. 
the lighting at his launch speech was awful. It was like it, it was in a broom closet. It was terrible. I mean, it was it was like it was one of those mannequins you see in a ghost train that's only lit up yeah. from, from below by very, very sharp, luminous light and everything else was really dull. I mean, you just think, this is a guy who's been accused of all kinds of sexual shenanigans. At least appear well lit. Don't stand there in the dark with a... You know, as a child, you knew the thing to do to be creepy was to put a torch under your face in the dark. <laughs> that's what he was effectively doing. He was standing there with his suit on, with his torch under it. I mean, it was obviously a torch underneath a lectern, but the lighting was appalling. Didn't send out a good message. It did not. It did not. Uh, moving on from one um, person accused of sexual crimes or found not guilty um, to a man whose sexual peccadilloes have um, entertained the nation for a good 15 to 20 years. Have you seen the front of the Sunday Mirror today? I haven't. I haven't followed the news at all today. I've been reading Stephen King as I always do on a Sunday morning. Well, if you look across the Sunday papers today, the front pages, um, you will see that there's a you know a lot of COVID stuff, a lot of EU stuff. Let me take a guess. Of... Well, I guess who it is you're talking about. Go on. Uh, is it Max Mosley? No, no, it's a politician. Oh, David Mellor? Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. I did see this. I saw this in the Daily Record. I did actually see this. It's Boris. Yes, right, go on. Yeah. My, my, according to the front of the Sunday Mirror, um, which I haven't read, I've only read the front page and then opened it up and seen that it's the first six pages of the paper. Um, my four-year affair with Boris. Jennifer Urkuri, you may remember her from previous titles such as uh, <laughs> being getting on Trade Federation trips uh, when, her, when she didn't deserve it, giving Boris Johnson computer lessons at her flat. Yes. Uh, she um, is now given a world exclusive to the Sunday Mirror saying that she had a four-year affair with Mr. Boris Johnson. Interestingly, that's not in any of the BBC News apps stories, main stories today. It's funny that, isn't it? And it's not on any other paper. So you you saying Andrew Marr didn't ask every Conservative MP on, in the land about this this morning? Well, I don't know because I haven't seen Andrew Marr. Maybe there has been. I'm hoping, and this is one of the things about recording on a Sunday, is has this story got legs? Is this going to be on front and centre in tomorrow's papers? When it gets to the normal breakfast radio programmes tomorrow morning, is it going to feature at all? I mean, that's the question. The UK, if you go to the BBC UK News, number one story, UK confident of second doses within 12 weeks, promised government. Second, Moderna vaccine expected in UK next month. Third one, another lockdown lasting government wants. Uh, swiping down as SNP MPs defect to ALBA. Um, but no, I go all the way down to the bottom of my page and there's nothing about Boris Johnson's affairs. It's interesting that, isn't it? It is, and I don't want to, like, I, I don't want to go into this um, anti-mainstream media thing, although we'll come back to that later. Uh, but is it is it heavy going down the route of a person's private life is their own business? Because if they are, I have some sympathy with that. I have some sympathy with the idea that if all the papers just kind of go, do you know what? His private life, it's in the past. His private life has got nothing to do with how he governs. I have some sympathy with that. 
Obviously, there are huge conflicts of interest if he was having an affair and how she managed to get on these trade federations and all these trips, um, how she got some funding for different things. That's a question that certainly needs to be answered. However, I was having a conversation with my grandfather this morning. Um, if a footballer had, is found to have had a four-year affair with somebody, they're on the front page of every single newspaper. They're hounded. Mm -hmm. Piers Morgan would be on Good Morning Britain, if he still worked there, saying that they are role models and they should be doing this, that, and the next thing. At that time, Boris Johnson was the mayor of London. Yeah. And at that time, he had the power and influence to be able to um, have investment in different companies. You know, as, as any powerful po politician does, if he favors, if he says, oh, maybe you might want to invest in this company, maybe you might want to invest in that company, people will listen. Him having a four-year affair with this woman, four years, mm -hmm. yeah. quite a long time. I do think it's something that requires investigation. It should not be something that's just, you know, he had, he had a position of power, influence over her. That's, a, that's that, you know, people would be um, certainly asked to resign for less. Well, I mean, maybe the journalists were parked outside this house and then he came out with a tray with mugs of tea and they just went away, forgot about it because he brought them out biscuits and tea and refused to talk yeah. about it. I mean, I can't imagine a politician ever actually brazenly doing that. Say a politician that's been accused of horrific racism and some of his actions leading to an innocent woman going to jail for several years. I can't imagine he'd be able to just fob that off with a tray of disgusting looking, really milky tea and some plain digestive biscuits. I can't imagine that working. Can you? No. Given this, no, is, no. The same, this is the same media that, like, we've talked about this already, but the same media who has spent, certainly the Scottish news has spent 40 to 45 minutes every night, pretty much for the last month, pouring over everything Nicola Sturgeon said at that committee hearing. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially about whether or not she spoke to somebody on one day or another. It was, a, like, it was an administrative detail. And yet, even this week, after the, the Hamilton inquiry found that she hadn't broken the, the rules, you had all these Conservative MPs and MSPs coming onto the news. What I found really awful was they would get, there was a, there's a David Mundell, his son, Oliver Mundell, is an MSP, and they had him on the Scottish News on Wednesday night, I think it was. And it's the fake look of disgust and shock on their faces. It's like, I can't believe she's doing this and I can't believe she's getting away with it. I just can't believe this is happening. And it's that, it's that false sense of, and you think, look, just look down south at, at Boris. Look at, look at everything that's happened in the last year. Look at Boris's entire political career. Look at Pretty Patel. Look at Gavin Williamson. Look at Matt Hancock. Look at them all. Now, where is the, 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 the disgust at that? It's, 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 Bizarre, and it's allowed every single night you get a, a line of, even the day that Nicholas Sturgeon was cleared, they had Labour folk on, the Tory folk on, still saying, I mean, Willie Rennie, Willie Rennie, who's a lick spittle of a human being, he was on the telly straight after the announcement that she'd been cleared. He went, well, you know, I still don't, it doesn't add up, and I think resignation should still be on the table. And you're like, why? She's been cleared. Yeah. Like, she hasn't broken any rules. She hasn't misled Parliament. She hasn't broken any rules. Why should she resign? Because you don't like her? Because she's popular? Because people are going to vote for her again? Because she's probably the biggest threat other than Boris to the United Kingdom staying together? And like you say, this 
huge story this morning and there are so many it's not just about the salacious details of the affair i i don't really care about that but it's like you said there were she was given access to a lot of contracts and a lot of money that could have gone to someone probably more deserving purely because she was having an affair with them that in itself that should be investigated but it won't be he'll bring out cups of tea and the journalists will go oh right let's go and look at the snp folk defected to alba that's much more of a story but the prime minister of the country having all these awful peccadillos that we are, and the thing is people just be like oh it's just boris being boris you know he's a ladies man it's great oh how is he a ladies man though i don't know i mean i know like most people have lockdown here but boris has always looked like that and you think and some of the money that some of the money that he spent like he spent all that money on that room and he spent money refurbishing his own home with taxpayer money you think i know this is i don't like to talk about people's personal appearance but his teeth are horrible like every time I see Boris on the telly, I just, it's the hair. Then I look at his teeth and he always looks like he's just eating fondue and it's just all over his teeth. But he's eating it really like sharp fondue because his teeth are all pointy. And he's just, you think, how are you a ladies man? Because you're not charming. You're not particularly funny unless you're a certain type of conservative person who finds the way he talks funny. You're not a particularly good looking man. You're, you don't take care of your personal appearance. I mean, again, think back to when Jeremy Corbyn once wore his tie slightly loose at yeah. the memorial. And David Cameron was like, straighten your shirt, wear your tie. And you think, there was a time Boris Johnson was in telly a couple of months ago where he had like egg stains on his suit. He was there giving his, like, he was doing Prime Minister's questions. His hair was the usual. He danned off on one shoulder. He had an egg stain on his... But we, like, nobody says, like, Prime Minister, go and get the dry cleaner and sort your hair out, you big mess. But they did that to Jeremy Corbyn every single week. Can you imagine, can you imagine if Jeremy Corbyn had had like an affair with somebody whilst he was in charge of something? I mean, you'd still be talking about it. It's, I mean, people still talk about John Terry. Like you've talked about the footballers. John Terry. Folks still talk about the John Terry saga. Now, yeah, John Terry was England captain, the Chelsea captain at the time, but he did not have the same power and influence that a mayor of London or a prime minister would have. He was a captain of a football team and he was a captain of the England team. He didn't, other than being a role model and being a bit of a crap role model, he didn't actually have the same level of influence that a politician, especially a very, very senior politician would have. And yet that the John Terry Wayne Bridges saga went on for months and months. And people, when they talk about John Terry, they either talk about the time he came on the pitch when they won the Champions League stripped, which everybody found annoying if they didn't weren't a Chelsea fan. They talk about that and they talk about the relationship stuff and the some of the casual racism as well that he may have been guilty of. On the pitch. They're quite similar, aren't they really? Funny. <laughs> one was stripped of their captaincy, was left out of the squad, was like kind of sent away basically, and was just still seen as a figure of some disgrace. Other one, Prime Minister Britain, 85 yeah. 40, still ahead in the polls, killed 130,000 people with COVID, and yet he's still, oh, it's just Boris being Boris. It's fine, it's great. Oh, oh dear. Oh, dear me. But, um, on a, on a slightly weirder note, weirder, lighter, you may have um, seen that um, there were Kill the Bill protests in um, Bristol last week. Last Sunday, was it? Last Sunday, Saturday, yeah, last Sunday. Sunday. Um, and then there was another one on Tuesday. And I was talking to, to someone I know, and, and they were like, uh, they ended up down a bit of a wormhole because they basically ended up... Um, <laughs> ended up watching like YouTube streams of these riots. Mm. Uh, 
And so, and so on Friday, I had nothing to do, and I've been in conversation um, about this stuff. And it turned out there was another protest on Friday, Kill the Bill protest on Friday. So over the course of around about four or five hours on Friday night, <laughs> I was watching live stream YouTubers um, on, about this Kill the Bill thing um, on, on, on Bristol. And it's really interesting because it was, do you know how we've often spoken and um, you've spoken to me rather than the other way around about how there's been SNP uh, marches or SNP um, gatherings like in Glasgow or whatever that's attracted, you know, tens of thousands of people and no one ever reports on them. Yeah. There's no reports. And so lots of, and when you think about that, it means lots of things are happening in this country that we never know about. Not that they're kept secret, not that there's a big, huge Machiavellian um, conspiracy, just, you know, there's only so many things that can go on the front of the BBC News app or on the front page of The Guardian or on the six o'clock news. Um, so I ended up watching these, these live streams. And what was interesting was you had, there was two in particular I was watching the flicking backwards and forwards between the two. One was a Bristol student newspapers live stream. <laughs> so it was one guy called Ben. Right. Who basically just has his iPhone flipped, you know, and so not facing him, facing the other way. And he talks um, whilst at the protest. Right. And he's constantly saying, hello, this is Ben. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're at the Kill the Bill protest. Uh, we're just observing what's happened. People are mainly sitting down. Um, the police are stood over there. They're not really doing very much. Um, Occasionally we're hearing chants, whose streets, our streets, whose streets, our streets, um, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and then he would wander around and have a look at the, at the protest. And, you know, uh, there were all the, always, as ever, there were people hanging around the back, not doing anything, sure. <laughs> just kind of having a chat. Best place to be. Um, and then I was, and I managed to find another one because Ben went down for a while. Right. His battery ran out. <laughs> This is a, such a fantastic world because it's so rubbish. Yeah. That's the brilliance of it. Is that these these live streamers and their battery runs out, so they disappear. So I found another one called Consumer Media Nine Eleven. Right. Now you would have loved this guy. I highly recommend. He's going to an anti-lockdown protest next Saturday. Highly, highly okay. recommend you his stream. Uh, as you can imagine, he looked like. Uh, Occasionally, you'd see his face, and he looked like was it Swampy? Was he that, the one that was I was going to say Swampy? Yeah, that's exactly what I was visualizing. Yeah, yeah a bit of piercings. Um, someone who wouldn't look, someone who would not look not at home at a Levelers concert is basically what you're saying. Oh, he has attended every Levelers concert since. Could actually be the fiddle player from the Levelers. <laughs> Very much so, um, and um, and so he was there, and obviously he's anti-lockdown, he's anti-vaccine, he's anti. Um, establishment you know he almost kind of looked down on these kill the bill people because right. there they were with their face masks on um and thinking how wrong they were um and so we had basically and the thing is it's kind of like our podcast is just us having a conversation and i'm aware of that but we kind of often come with some kind of news story some kind of agenda to talk about imagine though it's just you with your camera 
looking at something for five to six hours. You can't go to ad breaks. You can't go to let's play a record now, like a DJ. And it's not it's even you. you. And it's not even like you're watching a football match and you're commentating on it. So you're commentating on a gathering of people. Yeah, I'd be like, nothing happens. It'd be like you and I, like when you and I go to the cinema. I'd be like, I was you and I filming just the people in the foyer and talking about them and just filming it for for five or six hours. But only you, not me. I'm not there, so it just has to be you on your own. Got a pretty big popcorn over there. Yeah, (laughs) those last things. And and basically, the thing is, and it's interesting watching the protest. I have never been to. I've walked, I've gone on protest marches, but I've never actually been to a protest yeah. as such, you know, where you just sit down or you just go and you stand somewhere to protest against something. And what's interesting is they were sat there for a good three hours going, peaceful protest, this is a peaceful protest, at all the police who were just stood there. Yeah. Police weren't doing that. They were like, yeah, yeah, it's peaceful. Yeah, well, yeah, well done. People protest. Good job. <laughs> well done, everyone. And there was, but the thing is, you could tell. And there was this row of because because our friend uh, who consumer media nine eleven, who was at the very front of this protest, talked you know talking to himself. Occasionally, he would talk to some people around about him. You could tell that all they wanted was for it to kick off. Yeah, that's all they wanted for it to happen. And the same with Ben, our student newspaper guy. As much as he was trying to be a bit more like, well, the police are saying this and the protesters are saying that, all he was there for was for the moment when it kicked off. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting was it just suddenly kicked off. Yeah. It was it was amazing how it happens as you've got the, the tension gradually rose and rose. And then I think it was basically one guy, the, the, riot, the police put their riot shields up, they told everyone to disperse, they said they were about to do it. And then one guy, one protester went too close to them. I don't know what he did. I don't know what he did. But for some reason, one of the police guys just whacked his shield against them to push him back, essentially, but properly whacked him. He could have nudged him back. But in actual fact, he whacked him with a shield. And then it just kicked off. And then for the next hour and a half, it was running down streets, police dogs coming out. It was it was quite good. But were you still getting commentary all through this? Oh, yeah, yeah. 9-11, the whole way through, constantly telling you what was going on. Because he's got all these comments coming up from YouTube. Right, so yeah. he's talking sometimes to the comment people making the comments. Wow. Um, and and eventually, at the very end, to sort of finish this story off, because I won't labour it too much, is they're running from the police for around about an hour and a half. He's making all these comments about the police, you know, this, that, and the next thing, we're doing this, that, and the other. They end up in a side street and, and it's gone from over a thousand people, I would guess, at the protest to now there's like stragglers of about 20, 30 people hanging around. And the police have this line down the bottom of the street in Bristol. And they start shouting to consumer media 9-11. Like, who are you filming for? Are you, are you, the, are you the actual press? And he's like, I'm not the mainstream media. I'm a like YouTuber, I'm, 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 I'm not like them. Um, and, and they're like, all right, okay, well, what, what's, what's your stream? And he's like, consumer media 9-11, we tell the truth as it is, type thing. And like, what? And he's like, consumer media 9-11. And they're like, I, I, can't, I can't hear you, come closer, come closer. And he's like, you're not gonna hit me, are you? 
And they're like, no, we just want to know what your stream is so that we can find out what you've been saying. You know, we just want to know. Uh, we just want to go and have a look at it. We're on camera after all, you're filming us. Um, and he's like, you're not going to hit me. And they're like, no. And he's like, come here. And so he goes up to them and he goes, and he, he goes, who are, you, who are you streaming for? And he's like, Consumer Media 911. It's like, oh, good, you're under arrest. You do not have to say anything, but anything you do say, you may be taken down in evidence. Brilliant. And, they end up, and he keeps filming. And so you see him and they take him to the police van and they, they like put him in the van and then eventually they're like, really, you have to turn the camera off now. And he's like, oh, you put me in the van? What are you putting me in the van for? And as it turns out, and this is why, this is why actually it's got quite a good ending to it, this story, I think, is that there's lots of things going on about that we're not aware of. There's lots of behaviour by protesters who are desperate for it to kick off and start a fight. Lots of protesters who just want they think the bill is bad and quite right. Yes. But also at the same time, and the police are trying to do their job, but sometimes they go over the top because the thing is, the reason why the police said they're arresting them is because he um, was involved in the riots last Sunday, last Saturday or Sunday, whenever they were. The thing is, he actually has a YouTube video on his channel showing him in London on that day. So he wasn't even there. He kept on saying, I wasn't here. I wasn't here on Sunday. You can't arrest me. I wasn't here. But they do, they throw them in the back of the van and all sorts. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's, I mean, when you're in the middle of lockdown and, you know, you've gone through your Netflix and you've gone through your, your Amazon Prime, it might be worse having just to go on a whole YouTube world and see what's going on in the world. I mean, lots of attacks on the mainstream media who, are, to be honest, are just doing their jobs as well. But as we've said, there are flaws with the mainstream media too. There is, absolutely. Um, yeah. I don't know, I was about, when you said you'd gone down a rabbit hole, I was worried. I was like, oh God, is, are you going to start telling me about QAnon conspiracy theories? <laughs> Tom Hanks? You know, it's one of those things is that I think the pair of us, um, I think we're both in this kind of boat, is that we've got a scepticism against the, the establishment, as you described, uh, where you thought the establishment had got to Alex Salmond. We've got a... We've got a a skepticism towards the establishment, but we've also got a huge skepticism as well, an equal skepticism towards uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah. And we're somewhere, I mean, I hate being in the middle. I hate being the idea of a, Tory, a Tony Blair third way yeah. thing. Yeah. But at the same time, th that's the whole point is when you can get a balance between the two, then you're probably going to be all right. Absolutely. You know? I mean, if, the Jedi Council in Revenge of the Sith had sought balance instead of only dealing with the light side, a lot of the problems that then arose wouldn't have happened. That's the it was the hubris of the Jedi saying, like, well, we're only going to teach you the light side. We're not, we're just gonna ignore that that no, 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 no. Don't look over there at the dark side stuff. We're not looking at that. Just look at the good side. And that, you know, power vacuum there into a vacuum steps um ah, Sith Lord, possibly. I don't know. But yeah. I agree. I think balance is not necessary. I mean, it's it's said often very sneeringly that if you take the centre ground for something, you're you know you're being wishy washy. And don't get me wrong, there are I mean there are times where the Labour Party right now seem wishy washy because they abstain on matters they should. I mean, I've just said I feel like I'm repeating myself from 20 minutes ago. Labour have abstained on far too many things they shouldn't be abstaining on, but been able to look at the establishment and say, well, that's a bit rubbish. But also look at the kind of fringe and conspiracy theories and go, but that's also a bit rubbish. And just position yourself somewhere that whole like oh i'm kind of left of center but yeah 
Yeah, and I think one of the things is they can venerate that in a bit, like, you know, the Matt Fords of this world who kind of make it sound like anyone that's got a, a, an idea that's ever so slightly outside the norm is somehow a crank. Um, but sometimes, you know, that's the thing is the SNP, Independence for Scotland, when we were growing up, I remember Jim Absolutely. Sillers won the Govan by-election. Yes. Um, 1988, was it? 1988? Yeah. Uh, and it was, um, that was mental. It was madness. Voting for the Green Party would have been considered utterly madness at one point. But then equal and opposite, Brexit and the establishment wanting, demanding, needing, requiring Brexit is also crazy too. So they come from both sides. Yeah. And being able to recognise them all is, is the key thing. Tears for, tears for fears were right. It's a mad world. <laughs> and everybody wants to run the world. They were yeah. right on so many levels. And there's women in chains. We need to start sowing the seeds of love. Um <laughs> I'm out. I'm <laughs> there's like a couple of other ones I like, but I can't remember their names. I'm trying to think <laughs> back to when I bought the Sowing Proceeds out Sowing the Seeds of Love album. I can't <sighs> there's I can't. one called Badman Song. That's that's, that's it. the one. I knew there was some song. Bad song. It's fine. This is not a Tears for Fears podcast. It's not. Otherwise, oh. it'd be very short. Yeah, we wouldn't know very much. But anyway, we should probably let you get back to your lives. Um, there is Line of Duty to watch. Um, that's a good thing. Um, there's almost Scottish elections. In some ways, that's a good thing. You can, you know, deliver your electoral mandate. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's what Nicola Sturgeon kept saying. She said, look, look the biggest mandate we're going to get is coming in May. The elector, you know, the election's coming. The public can decide if they want me to be first minister, if they want to choose parties that support independence, you know, that's the chance for people to show what they want. So, yeah, so so there's reasons for optimism, people, and, you know, don't be a crank on either side, establishment or otherwise. That's what we're saying. And don't have four-year affairs and abuse power either. No, don't do that. That's bad. That's really bad. Even though the BBC yeah. won't mention it. No. No. Um, but anyway, take care, everybody. Have a lovely week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.